is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, I cannot believe we are here getting ready for the second weekend of the tournament talking about a Michigan game. I really thought we would be putting a bow on the season, um, perhaps even talking about a first-round exit, saying what went wrong, what what does Juwan Howard have to do to you know, make sure this doesn't happen two seasons in a row. But Michigan is gearing up for a Sweet 16 game against Villanova. What is your reaction to that sentence, given how improbable it seemed uh, for most of this season, especially heading into the tournament? tell you what you know I picked Michigan to beat Tennessee in the bracket but we talked last week you know we felt like we would be putting a bow on the season this week and and I kind of said that I picked that with my heart Uh, and I truly did and and I I thought that Michigan could play well and it felt like it was going to be a game where they were in it and then ultimately dropped it to one of the hottest teams in the country but you know Michigan you know even being down in the first half uh, down again in the second half you know they pushed at the right time uh, and they were the better team uh, against Tennessee. Uh, and, and that's, you know, a lot of the talk has been, you know, the weekend matchup uh, in the second round against Tennessee. I mean, there are a lot of people that thought that they would lose to Colorado State, a game that kicked off the tournament I uh, last Thursday. And, and that was a game that, you know, they looked down and out and like just down bad in the first half. And, and they rallied in that game and then took control of that game. And so, you know, now that you can look back at how they've performed, um, you know, it makes sense that they're in the position they're in. But I think a, a great surprise to all uh, that, you know, they're in the Sweet 16 for a fifth consecutive year, the, the, the hottest streak in the nation behind Gonzaga. And you know what? You know, it's awesome that they're going to be in the second weekend. One of two Big Ten teams to make it to the second weekend after, what, nine made the NCAA tournament this year or a number like that? Yeah, um, nine. Yeah, it's it's awesome that you know Michigan's still standing, uh, and and I think they're they're eating it up, uh, loving it, and hopefully, uh, win or loss, uh, first game this weekend. You know, if they win the, the the first game, you know, in the second game, the season win or loss or this weekend, sorry. Uh, hopefully, they perform well. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I think the expectations are a little higher now. You did enough to to get out of a funk of a win loss 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 like literally like <laughs> pro- I don't even know if I said enough I don't but think it was, a, it was a lot of win losses uh, all the way back to like early February that the, the streak was so they broke the streak at the right time and how sweet it is for Michigan to be back in the sweet 16 I just I can't believe the team that looked so bad in the first half against Colorado State not only rallied in that game and pulled an 11-6 upset, but then went on to face Tennessee, which was, I think, widely regarded as like an underrated three seed, a really hot team, and then fall behind like six points at, at separate times, including uh, after going into the under eight timeout, I believe. I mean, they were down six. They were just so many points where it was like this is the end and no matter if it was Hunter Dickinson or Eli Brooks or or Terrence Williams getting involved on the offensive glass like somebody was there to kind of drag Michigan's lifeless body up back to life and say we're not done we're going to keep doing this and that was that was so unexpected because of everything we had seen this season it looked like a team 
remember I talked about, or, you know, we talked about after the Big Ten tournament, Dud, like it just looked like a team that wasn't ready for the big moment. Like they didn't have enough collectively to rise to that kind of occasion. And now they've done it twice. And I dare say, you know, like whatever happens in the Sweet 16 happens and, and you're just happy to make it five in a row, especially, you know, considering how bad things looked at times this season. But Michigan at the same time, you know, for, for the runs they've had in the tournament, like they've ended on some on some bad losses, some bad games, like just not able to hit shots, um, losing really ugly. Even the last time they played Villanova in the championship game, just, you know, it, it was a game that Michigan looked totally outmatched in. I, I don't want to see that again. Like, obviously we can, you know, if Michigan plays a decent, good game and loses, like, okay, you made it to the Sweet 16. Practically nobody was expecting that. We'll move on. But if it's another one where Michigan, you know, struggles to eclipse 50 and Villanova's making it look easy, I'll be like, dang, like this is too many NCAA tournament losses where, you know, Michigan just ends it so poorly in a way that they really don't deserve to because they put together a nice run and looked like a really good team. So that's the only thing I don't want to see happen against Villanova. Yeah, the tough part is that's what we've seen, you know, maybe not all 14 losses, but it seems like about 14 times this season. Obviously, there are losses that you know looked better than others. If a loss can look good, like but, Purdue, if yeah. they could lose, if right. they lose, and it looks like the first game against Purdue on the road, you know, like that was that was a well played game, and you just, I mean, you just swallow your pride and you go home and say that's that. Yeah, it's the games where you get down early, the the Texas Tech tournament games where you never have a chance. Uh, you know, lose with dignity, as 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 some rivals would would say. Uh, but no, you know, I, I hope that they found enough. Uh, in these two wins in the NCAA tournament. You know, I, they certainly don't want what happened against Indiana in the Big Ten tournament to happen where you're in control and, and totally lose it. But you also don't, uh, they also won't want to, you know, never have a chance. And and I think that this Wildcats team is is good enough uh, to, to beat Michigan in that way. They have, you know, played some great basketball so far in the tournament. I think they beat uh, Delaware by 20 or so. Uh, the Ohio State game was was a close matchup for what maybe a half, and then it felt like Villanova was in control the rest of the way and ended up winning by a decent margin. Um, and and you you have guys like Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels who have you know they've played uh, Michigan before in the national championship in the same city. Uh, it's now in the AT and T Center. Uh, it was Alamo Dome uh, when they met in 2018, but that game. You know, you're exactly right. It felt like Michigan was uh, outmatched from the beginning, uh, and, and it just felt like it was a different basketball team than we expected to see after what was, you know, really an improbable uh, tournament run that year. You know, this year, uh, you can expect that for Michigan because we've seen it so many times. But I think what Eli Brooks said in, in the post-game uh, press conference, you know, after the, the win against Tennessee is, uh, you know, they – they're kind of asking, you know, what had changed and how are you able to, to, to break this streak and such. And, you know, he said the the scary thing is there's still things that they can improve. And, and, and those things, you know, the thing that comes to mind specifically for me is the turnovers, the unforced errors, the unforced turnovers, the lazy passes, the, the playing out of control, getting ahead of themselves. Like this team could truly be better 
uh, if they if they can eliminate that and then obviously hit some shots and then not to point fingers but if you have you know a couple of more players like a Caleb Houston hit a couple of big shots even if those are the only two shots he hits all game you know that's definitely going to help in a sweet 16 matchup so I think this team you know has shown at times all season that they have uh, a chance to be a sweet 16 and elite eight team uh, they're playing good basketball at the right time and, and I think that they can play better basketball it's just a matter of if they can put it together you know Thursday night against a, a, a number two seed in Villanova yeah before we talk any more about Villanova I want to take you through my crazy Saturday evening so first of all and I'm not even starting with the basketball stuff because I got to give you the whole day I wake up and I run eight miles to set my new high because I'm trying to get ready for a half marathon you know nice so that's a I'm all I guess start the day strong eight miles then I go to my niece's birthday party we have a good time there got basketball on the tv you know there's there's some drinks moving um a good time then we leave to because you know Michigan's played in Indianapolis and like that's a huge bonus for me it's the second time not counting even last year in the the pandemic tournament but the second time and like recently that Michigan has played uh, its first tournament games in Indianapolis so go to the game and I'm dead set on spending as little money as possible because in my mind I'm like I don't want to watch Michigan get blasted by Tennessee and I paid 175 bucks for my ticket so I get in very top row for just under 100 bucks a ticket and there are a lot of Tennessee fans it was Tennessee heavy crowd you mix in some Murray State people even a few Kentucky fans held over from their upset loss um, and then obviously you know there's like four or five St. Peter's fans um, game happens like just screaming yelling and and I'm telling the people I'm with and and the, this family sitting next to me like if Michigan wins I'm going to act belligerent. And that's the word I used probably 10 times that day. I said, I'm going to act belligerent in this arena. Sure enough, it happens. And I'm a man of my word. So I head out into the hallway. I'm going down to the main floor. People are, there was an SEC chant. I don't know how this started. I could not spot anybody who started this. Perhaps it was Kentucky and Tennessee fans collaborating. Makes me sadness. It was sickening, man. So I start a, it's great to be a Michigan. I start that one, to ch- and that shuts him up real fast because, of course, everybody gets involved. I'm going to play this clip for you, though. It is right after Michigan wins. I'm in the stands, and the main person, you're going to hear a lot of yelling into, I mean, it was, it was a video. You're going to hear a lot of yelling. Main one is me. It's 23 seconds. I'm going to play this for you. Okay, so uh, main guys, there. Uh, that's that's <sighs> me. My uncle yelled, what's up, Rocky Top? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yelled, protect Lane Kiffin, because Tennessee football fans threw things at him during their football game. <laughs> I was just yelling anything. But one of the best nights 
best days of my life, truly. The only thing that sucked, I mentioned the eight miles I ran. Uh, I had a good walk back to my car. Full disclosure, I used my press badge to park at the state house, which is also downtown, but it's not close, and I'm probably not supposed to do that. Uh, but the walk back there, my hip flexor, man, my right hip flexor was killing me. I was limping, hobbling. I didn't know if I could make it. It's because of the eight miles. So just a, a day full of great stuff. The eight miles will do that for you, but I'm, I'm surprised that your adrenaline wasn't so high after, especially that clip. And I know, you know, the, the chanting and the cheering yeah. and the hallway and probably, you know, the, the, that natural high of, a, of Michigan win, especially a win that they weren't supposed to have in the NCAA tournament. I'm shocked you felt that hip flexor, man. Well, I mean, I felt it all day. Okay, okay. It's that's not fair. like that's it fair. came it ne- on. It never went away. It never went away, no. No, this is um, totally unrelated to Michigan basketball, but, yeah, I've, I've got some hip flexor issues <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know how to get rid of. <laughs> man, oh, man. Hey, you know what? That's a, that's a moment. Uh, happy you were able to experience that. Uh, as as we were watching, uh, you know, kind of could tell, especially at first, that it was a Tennessee Pro crowd. I've oh, seen yeah. a couple of things, you know, on Twitter that uh, said that as well. But you know, when the game got going good for Michigan, whether it was in moments or taking back the lead or finally asserting itself at the end, like you know, those Michigan fans were loud, and I bet there were a whole lot more fans uh, like you in, in that category of you know, do you want to spend? A whole lot of money to to watch them potentially lose you know you could say the same thing for the college football playoff obviously even more expensive but you know that's a big trip to to go from michigan down to to miami to to watch uh michigan play a really good georgia team but i bet a lot of fans were kicking themselves uh and i'm hoping that now that fans have seen what they've seen out out of this michigan team and, and what the potential is and the fact that they're one of the 16 teams remaining you know michigan and that texas space they have of alumni uh, I'm yeah. hoping that they will be able to show out uh, down in, in down in San Antonio. I think they will be able to do so. Uh, Villanova was able able to travel well, obviously down for the national championship game. That that game is you know obviously a different level, but I'd expect some uh, some Michigan fans to to be in attendance down there, and and hopefully you know just a good good matchup, good showing from both fans, players, you know, coaches alike. The the best part, the best sideshow, being a game bridge. Um, is is the Murray State fans in front of me, like directly in front of me, who were watching Hunter Dickinson for the first time. Mm-hmm. Clearly had not seen Hunter Dickinson play before, so he goes out and hits two early threes. And he's he's got the moves in the post, like he's imposing himself, and, and they're just like, holy crap, who is this guy? He hits a three, like, this guy can shoot? Knocks down some free throws, like... That was pretty good entertainment, just listening and, and watching them in front of me get to experience Hunter Dickinson for the first time. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he, he's such a fun player to watch. I, I know he's, you know, essentially pissing everybody off now, especially in the Big Ten, by acting like he couldn't remember who Wisconsin was and, <laughs> and talking about how, you know, the same people cheering NIT are at the crib, you know, watching Michigan yeah. play. But, you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun tournament, and, and Hunter Dickinson is just one of those, you know, going to be one of those all-time Michigan players that, you know, did some awesome things and, and has won, you know, quite a few NCAA tournament games. And then I look at a guy like Eli Brooks, you know, the difference maker. 
he has been throughout the season, you know, that steady uh, player he's always been, you know, whether it was role player or when asked to do more. And I think that was a lot for him, you know, at times the season two, as other guys are new and there's a lot of growing pains and a lot of adversity that they just, you know, have seemingly faced all season up and down. Uh, Eli Brooks has really come into his own to end his career at the University of Michigan. And I mean, he played lights out, hit one of the coolest, you know, hook shots that I've seen uh, in, in any game and, and especially in a moment that big to help send a team to the Sweet 16. So, you know, as we know, the path doesn't get any easier, but what Michigan's have been able to accomplish, uh, impressive. And I think, you know, it makes you forget about those 14 losses a little bit because uh, you can at least say, hey, you know, a lot of adversity, uh, a difficult season. You know, all the players say it's not the season they wanted. It didn't go the best, but they're playing good basketball at the right time. And, and honestly, uh, that's what matters when you're in the NCAA tournament is, is winning a couple of games. Yeah, Eli Brooks is going to be so important against a team like Villanova that's, I mean, they're old. They're so patient. They don't make a lot of mistakes. A really efficient team. Um, I it makes you worry against a team like Michigan that has a lot of youth and inexperience. I mean, and even, you know, a guy like Devontae Jones is, is just getting ready for his third NCAA tournament game. I mean, you, you say he's old because he's played a lot of college basketball, but he hasn't played a lot of college basketball at this level. He hasn't played in the Sweet 16 like Eli Brooks has and, and you know, other guys on the roster, obviously, from last year. But it's it's going to be so important to just, like, keep that composure which is a reason I worry about Michigan because they always, they haven't ha- always had that, and you know you're gonna have to get something more from Caleb Houston. Like he can't go scoreless again. That would be miraculous if if he goes scoreless again and Michigan somehow still finds a way to win. I mean, I think of like a Terrence Williams uh, the second coming off the bench in sort of like a Shondi Brown way and being like uh, quick offense, but something's got to be there like they have to find some some way to keep themselves cool and calm because that's exactly what Villanova is going to do and if you get down like 10 in the second half I mean Villanova is not coughing up that lead on their own like they're not making mistakes on their way to blowing a 10 point lead like you're really going to have to go snatch that from them and you know I mean, I'm not going to say Michigan isn't capable of doing that because we watched them do it basically against Colorado State, and then we watched a really good game against Tennessee. But Villanova's a different breed. Like, they've, they've all just been there, done that, and, and I, I can't see uh, Michigan getting away with too many sloppy mistakes, mental errors, things like that. And so if I start to see that early, I feel like that's going to be a sign of just a, a long night where, where Villanova definitely looks like the more mature, ready team. Yeah, I mean, the the only advantage Michigan really had against Tennessee outside of, you know, obviously final score uh, is rebounds. Uh, you know, Tennessee had a lot of steals. Michigan had more than double the turnovers. I think they actually had more blocks too. Uh, Tennessee had more fouls, which allowed Michigan to get to the line. Hunter Dickinson, you know, hit all but two of his and, and was there 10 times. Uh, Musa Diabate hit some clutch free throws late. You know, Michigan only played eight rotation guys. Uh, Terrence Williams kind of came in after what felt like a lot of Caleb Houston minutes for how, you know, ineffective he was. Uh, and so I think if you get some better minutes uh, from Caleb Houston, I, I think you'll see uh, Terrence Williams quicker. I, I don't think there's any way you can 
kind of sit on, uh, you know, have Terrence Williams not out there early. You know, one of the uh, the things that I read, you know, this week is he plays winning basketball. You know, he's out there for for big moments. His two putbacks really kind of set up that last run to to help Michigan close out the game. He hit a big three in the first half, and it's it's those types of things, you know, that that you do to to uh, uh, you know solidify yourself some some solid minutes against the big teams. I mean, there's a reason that. You know, people talk about the Spike Albrecht game because uh, he came in when Trey Burke had early foul trouble against Louisville and, and just torched a team uh, that, you know, eventually went on to win and then also have their, you know, championship vacated. But, you yeah, know, Spike, the, the, the Spike Albrecht game is memorable because it's a guy that, you know, wasn't supposed to be in that moment who took advantage of it. So I don't know that more Michigan players will get run. You know, we didn't see any uh, Kobe Bufkin. Uh, we saw very little Brandon Johns Jr. We saw a lot of Frankie Collins because um, of the, the the lack of Devontae Jones' ability uh, when he, he kind of played a little, you know, got beat up and beat around, was on the floor like 30 times in the 11 minutes he played. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who it's going to be outside of Hunter Dickinson, likely Eli Brooks, but to beat a Villanova team, uh, not only do you have to limit the, the mistakes, you know, you're going to have to have that third, that fourth player really step up because – Villanova has veterans, and then they also have young studs as well. I mean, they're a well-rounded basketball team. They've been a well-rounded basketball team. Um, you know, they've won two national championships this decade, and they're you know right up there with uh, you know one of the teams with the most tournament wins in the last decade as well. So you know, you look at this Villanova squad, and you know they are one of the most well-rounded teams year to year. And I think having two guys that played in a national championship and won a national championship. Uh, gives them an advantage. Uh, Eli Brooks was around. Eli Brooks will do some big things. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Michigan's going to have to have some people step up if they want to keep this run going. I feel like it's kind of pointless to ask, like, who needs to step up or who's the X factor or whatever in a game like this, given what we've seen. Um, so instead, I'm going to pick out three players here, presumably coming off the bench. And I want to know, like, who do you think is most likely to have a big impact? And if if the answer is different, like, who needs to have the biggest impact? So I'll assume Devontae Jones is good to go, going to start. So let's say Frankie Collins, Terrence Williams, and Brandon Johns Jr. Who's going to have the biggest impact, if, if any of them do? And then, you know, for Michigan's chances to win this game, like, who should? I'm gonna say Frankie Collins just because of the what he can do at the point guard position, how different his game looks from Devontae Jones, and and I think that's who I'm going with just solely on the fact that he's who's had to put some big minutes together uh, in the absence of Devontae Jones completely in the first game, uh, and then you know barely any Devontae Jones action in the second game. So I expect Devontae Jones to be back, you know, hopefully actually healthy, but you know they're gonna have to turn to. Frankie Collins at some point to get Devontae Jones a breather and I expect him to be able to make an instant impact so I'm gonna out of those three I'm gonna go with Frankie Collins because I think you know to allow uh, Devontae Jones and and Eli Brooks a little bit of rest Uh, he is a spark that can get to the cup usually get by his man Uh, he's made some dangerous passes that guys aren't ready for but I think as they get comfortable and used to playing with him uh, he's played a lot of minutes I think they know what to expect and I'm sure they're working on as many sets with him as they are with Devontae Jones, knowing that he's likely to see an uptick in minutes uh, and hopefully an uptick in production as well. 
I, I'm so torn between Terrence Williams and Frankie Collins. There's a really good case for both of them. In Terrence Williams' case, you're like if if Brandon or excuse me, if Caleb Houston like isn't hitting shots and Michigan needs offense, you're gonna go to Terrence Williams even though you're giving up uh, some defense there. He's a more physical presence. He's got a knack for just hitting shots, being around the rim at the right time, that kind of thing. Frankie Collins, when he's in the game, like you said, like it's just different from Devontae Jones, which sometimes means better. It doesn't necessarily mean better. It's just different. He, he brings a more explosive element to the game. He's really good finishing around the rim. Um, he makes really good passes sometimes. He's a great distributor when it's working. Like you said, make we've seen him make some uh, kind of you know dangerous boneheaded passes um but Villanova is a team that's going to switch everything pretty much and like that's going to create some mismatch opportunities for both Frankie Collins whoever the guard is you know whoever's handling the ball and you got to think about also Hunter Dickinson in the post um where Michigan's already going to have a size advantage switch or not I I think like having a guy like Frankie Collins when he's on is just so important when there are mismatch opportunities and you might be able to catch the defense scrambling a little bit. So I think I'm going to go with Frankie Collins too, but I'm I'm like just by a hair cuz I think depending on what happens with Caleb Houston, depending on what Michigan needs offensively, it could be Terrence Williams at the end of the day who like ends up being the most important piece off of the bench. I have a I have a huge time or I have huge you know trouble seeing Caleb Houston go as silent as he as he was against Tennessee. You would think so, yeah. I mean, you you saw him take you know less shots than usual. He didn't get as many good looks, but he was out there for thirty two minutes, man. And and Terrence Williams, you know, in fourteen minutes, you know, his his per thirty six as they do in the you know, NBA, you know, would be nuts. You know, he was efficient as a shooter. He hit his clutch free throws. He had some rebounds. Uh, you know, he had nine points in 14 minutes. You know, Caleb Houston was, you know, at halftime, had, had probably played more minutes than that, and, and his only stat was a turnover. Uh, so you've got to find ways to get minutes either way. You know, Musa Diabate has scored uh, seven and 13. Uh, he had some big buckets, you know, why Hunter Dickinson took a rest. Between Diabate and Caleb Houston, uh, drop those minutes just a little bit, maybe based on who's not being as productive or, or whatever matchup is less favorable, and you know let Terrence Williams get out there. He, you know, we, we talked about this before too. He seems to have the best percentage for that first shot three. Uh, you know, a guy similar to Shondi Brown uh, seems to be able to 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 get to the basket as well. He had a, he got he got blocked and swatted, but it was a good move. Uh, but then, you know, got in for those putbacks. And, and it's one of the things that he said after is, you know, I noticed that they weren't, you know, blocking out. Uh, so he knew he could come in instantly, crash the boards, and he happened to put two uh, putbacks in, in the hole. And, and I think that, you know, his electricity uh, is needed out there. I, I think Michigan feels like a different team uh, on offense, at least for the moments he's out there. So I think in a close second to Frankie Collins, uh, I'd say Terrence Williams. And then just to speak on Brandon Johns and his experience, I think all minutes Brandon Johns plays are valuable. You know, he's always going to get into the game. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, a, a guy that fills the the stat sheet uh, this season, you know, scoring nothing against Tennessee. 
but you know he's he's in there to allow guys to to get a breather, uh, and he's going to be out there you know as a defensive presence. Hopefully, pull down a board or two, and hopefully get a shot or two to fall. Uh, you know, if a guy like him hits a three in a big moment of a game, you know it's probably going to be a good night for Michigan. So you know he's going to get time just because of his size, uh, and and the guy's got to get some rest. Uh, and the big men, but you know, uh, regardless, I think we're going to see eight to nine players uh, play, and hopefully everybody's just healthy, including Devontae Jones, because that gives Michigan even a better chance to to put a complete game together. Okay, let's uh, wrap this up with predictions. Michigan obviously got Villanova in the Sweet 16 from there, getting the winner of Arizona and Houston. Uh, should the final four come to fruition? I mean, Kansas is the one seed out of the Midwest on the other side of the bracket. Uh, there's Providence, Iowa State, Miami. That's very small text, this bracket I'm looking at. I couldn't find another one, but I have my glasses on for a reason, so I'm almost positive I got that all right. Uh, how does Michigan do against Villanova? How far do they go? It's going to be tough to win against Villanova, but I think the game is winnable because Villanova doesn't have somebody who can do a whole lot for Hunter Dickinson. And and I think, you know, as I look around the tournament, there are definitely, you know, great basketball teams. But I think outside of uh, Gonzaga, Duke, uh, and then Arizona just because they dismantled Michigan earlier in the season, uh, there aren't a whole lot of teams that can do much about Hunter Dickinson. It's always been how much help does he get. You know, Eli Brooks was a big help the last game. Frankie Collins in his major minutes uh, and scoring a lot of buckets finally uh, against Colorado State. So so Michigan can beat Villanova. I think it's a very tough task. Uh, and, you know, the, all the teams remaining, you know, Arizona is dominant as they've been throughout most of the season. Houston, who, you know, really tore apart, apart Illinois. Uh, and, you know, one convincingly against UAB as well. Uh, hard seeing Michigan make the Final Four, but I think they have a shot at the Elite Eight uh, and, and a little bit of a, you know, a revenge tour in the same city, uh, same state that they played Villanova and lost the championship to. So hopefully the, the best version of Michigan shows up at least once more. And, and as we talk next week, they'll likely actually putting a bow on the season. Uh, hopefully we can talk about one more win, one more Elite Eight, eight appearance, uh, because, you know, that that just uh, is a good thing for Michigan basketball. And if not, you know, hopefully it's a, a tough uh, contested matchup. They put up a fight, uh, and I think we can still walk away from this season feeling relatively satisfied for a season that would, you know, end up with 15 losses. Yeah, I, I mean, I just got to lean on Villanova's experience and the fact that they hardly ever get rattled and, and they just are so solid as Michigan's kryptonite because Michigan is not always that uh, in fact, you know, before this tournament, you would say they are hardly ever that. I, I think that's the undoing of Michigan. Um, and, you know, just like I said earlier, I, I hope it's not anything ugly. I hope we're able to look back at this Sweet 16 run and not only say, well, that was cool getting to five straight Sweet 16s, but also, you know, Michigan played a good Villanova team, a two seed, like really tough. And, it didn't bow out the way you might expect an 11 C2. And, it, you know, especially considering uh, there were quite a few people who thought Michigan, you know, shouldn't be in the tournament or, or should be in one of those play in games because they hadn't proven themselves. And Michigan has proved itself here uh, with two really good performances in the tournament. And so I don't think we have to worry about that kind of talk anymore. But, yeah, I, I do think Illinois is just – or, excuse me, Illinois, where did that come from? I think Villanova. 
is is just like plainly the better team here and the fact that they have so many veteran presences on the court like I think that's what's gonna do Michigan in but I'm with you like we come back next week and you know maybe we are talking about a final four like I'm not gonna leave that off the table but um uh if if we're at least able to come back and just like be happy and satisfied with this little run in the tournament like that'll be plenty for me considering everything that this team went through so we will be back uh to to either talk about the final four or the potential national championship or to put a bow on the season which i totally thought we'd be doing this week but michigan had some surprises in store so maybe they have a couple more for us but until we see you next time take care out there and go blue, go blue.